0: Well, welcome in to another episode of Small Town Faith Talks. We have not been able to be together the last couple weeks. We had a lot of stuff going on around the church, and so we've taken a break. But we are back today. We've got Walter, myself, and we're here with Miss Tammy Patterson today in the studio with us. And we're excited to sit down and visit with her some. And Tammy is a very instrumental part of our church. Probably many of you know who she is. She was one of the first people from North Zulch that I knew. But, Tammy, welcome into the pod. We are so glad to have you here today, and it's going to be a phenomenal time together. Yes, welcome, Tammy. We're going to talk today about your story and your testimony. But first of all, why don't you give us an idea of your connection to North Zulch, to this community, uh, and uh, give us an idea about what that looks like for you.
1: Well, I don't ever remember not being part of Norzulch. I know I was born in Savannah, Georgia, but my parents were only out there a couple of weeks and we quickly moved back to Texas. I, um, was raised here. I started kindergarten at Norzolch, uh, independent school district and I graduated, uh, from Norzulch in 1989. So I've always been connected to this community. It's, it's my home, um. I went to church here. This is the only church I was raised in this church. My grandparents attended this church, Uh, my mom, and and actually my grandparents on both sides of my family were members of this church.
0: So you have a longstanding history. Uh, What about your uh, ministry involvement? You have had quite the ministry uh, involvement here over the years. Uh, Most recently, uh, you stepped into a role in youth ministry, but before that, you were working with children for quite a while. Why don't you give us an idea about that?
1: Well, I came back to church here after uh, some health problems. We were attending church at First Baptist Normandy, and my mom actually went through uh, several health issues, and we kept coming down here and just felt like it was time to come back home. That's probably been about eight years ago. And Brandon uh, was the pastor then, and he asked me to step into the children's ministry role. took that on, and I've kind of stayed with that for um, about seven, maybe eight years and now, I've jumped into this youth ministry thing. It's a little bit scary. I feel a little underqualified, but I do believe uh, it's where God has placed me and where God can use my story to help uh, the youth that we have here. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We I know we were talking through that, um, and just to see what you did with the children's ministry. Of course, I wasn't I wasn't here during all of that, but to hear the stories of growing that ministry from the very infancy, you know, just a couple students to 50, 60 elementary kids on a Wednesday night. But then just kind of seeing you wrestle through that and and understanding that your story, the intersection of your story, and probably where a lot of our teenagers are today and what they're experiencing, you just, we were kind of walking through that, battling that. You were Fearful of stepping into that world, but you've done so. I would say you've 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 uh, you've leaped in full feet all the way in, and you are there, and you have immersed yourself in that mindset and that culture with the students. But doing a phenomenal job. But why don't you kind of give us an understanding a little bit? Why don't you talk through some of your story? I know um, one of the key things that you have said. At different points, I've, I've, I've kind of heard this, is the idea of, of not being a product of your circumstances or letting your circumstances define you or your life and, and really overcoming those things. And you have, you've walked through that yourself. So why don't you give us an idea of how that's looked in your life?
1: You know, I'm very thankful for my mom. Uh, she raised me in this church. And at that time, you know, we were here on Sunday morning for Sunday school, church, In the evenings, we had GAs or training union and church, and you were here on Wednesday night. She always had me here anytime the door was open, and I'm very thankful for that. My mom has struggled in her own battles with depression over the years, and oftentimes I know, I I also work at Norman GISD at the high school, and I've been there for 14 years, and I know oftentimes people look on things at the outside. Mm -hmm. And they don't know about the inside. so, And we can't forget that. Things are not always as they appear. And so things were different in my house than they were at church. Uh, My parents uh, divorced when I was young. Uh, Memories of that are not, I don't have good memories of that. I have memories of fights and just different things like that. Spent a lot of time in my life really wanting to be accepted by my dad uh, just needing that acceptance. Uh, my mom was, you know, doing other things. Um, the one thing, you know, that I just commend her for was dragging me up here <laughs> all yep. through my life, no matter what I wanted to do. And being raised in church, I remember making a commitment to the Lord when I was very young with my grandparents, didn't really understand that. Uh, brother Neil Todd was here. I won't forget that night we sat, I was sitting on the left side of the church, probably two or three rows back, and he preached a message out of Matthew, out straight as the gate and narrow is the way. Hmm. Um, and he asked us if we knew that night um, if we would go to heaven if something happened, because truthfully, we don't know about tomorrow. Right. And I didn't have the answer to that. And I uh, committed to the Lord that, that night in October of 1984, And that's a real, that was a a big turning point in my life. And I spent time after that, you know, I always had this relationship with God and knew what I needed to be doing. My grandparents were phenomenal, phenomenal people. My grandfather, my grandmother on my dad's side, amazing people. Um, And I just, I really struggled as a teenager of this wanting to be accepted. Um, I look back at that. And I see so many teenagers now struggling with those same things. I wanted my dad to to accept me. My dad was hanging out with my friends. My mom was in her own struggles. And I just really went through this season of of wanting out of our house and just struggling, struggling for acceptance. And I think that 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 childhood is a childhood that so many teenagers are walking through today. I think there's so many kids that are walking through broken homes. There's more of them than there are children who are in the functional home. Yep. Uh, and it's really sad. It's, it's, and I've been there. And I feel like I can help them with that. You know, I have failed marriages. I look back in my life. And I actually went and had a conversation with my, not my mom not long ago. And I said, Mom, why didn't you, did, did you and I fight about that? You know, there, there's this old saying that if if you don't want to believe it, you can compartmentalize that in your, mm-hmm. in your mind and you can just, it's not even there. And I was like, man, I made some dumb decisions. Like, I wonder if we, like, fought about that. So I went and talked to her about that. And I was like, and, and you know, her answer was no. And she said, you know, she was really sorry for that. Mm, wow. And as I go through these times with these kids, my my children especially, and I don't want them to make the same mistakes I made. I I don't want that. I remember trying to pour into my daughter, and I was really not in a good place to be pouring into her. And she was 17, 18, and her answer is, let me make my own mistake.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: Like, why?
0: Yeah. Why? You don't have to learn that way.
1: Don't learn that way. I I did it for you, for me, and for everybody else. (laughs) I've made enough mistakes, you know. Um, So I go through that, and I look back at the failed marriages. I look back at, you know, um, when I was 30, I went through a a short, well, short, about a five-year struggle with an addiction that really grabbed a hold of me. And I look at that. And if you would ever told me that that would have been part of my story, I would have told you it was not, would not have been. And in the heat of a moment, in the heat of a fight, I said I wasn't going to do that anymore. I was done. And I can truly say, but God, Mm -hmm. and but the foundation in this church, and the people that had poured into me, I wouldn't have made that. You know, so... I have all this in my story. It's it's a big mess. It's a mess of a story, but God. And I have somewhere in our lives and in somewhere in the, the lives of the youth, the lives of the adults in this day, we have to make a conscious decision to overcome our circumstances. Right. I feel like we live in an age where everybody wants to be a victim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're in the, sure. I am a victim. I am a victim. Um, that's my crutch. That's my excuse for everything that goes wrong. And I could easily go, okay, these failed marriages, that's because of my mom and dad. No, that that's because of me. Mm-hmm. That That's my, and one day I, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to be my parents. I don't want to be my parents. I mean, I don't even know where my dad is. I know he struggles with addiction, and I feel so sorry for him. That was a big turning point. I see so many children today that don't have that father figure in their life. And I look back, and I I, I want for them something different for me. Because honestly, it was probably 35, 36, that I heard that song called Good, Good Father.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's a good one.
1: Okay. And that day... That hit me like a rock. All this bitterness, all this unforgiveness, all this anger that I'm carrying around for the father that I did not have. I'm, I'm like, you've had the best father. Always. Mm-hmm. And you realize at that point, what amount of time have I wasted being bitter and angry and all those things when I could have been putting that towards the good. And so that day I went home and I had a a talk with God, Mm -hmm. an outlaw, an out loud talk with God where I said, God, I'm angry and I'm sad that I didn't have for me at that time. It was a family like Patricia and JT had. Mm -hmm. I wanted that house. Um, but I was so thankful to have that moment and to let that go. And I forgave my dad that day in in my bedroom and just really let that go. And I feel so sorry for him for the things that he's missed out on. But I made I was able to move forward in that. And I and you know, my big thing is what what could I be? I could have so many excuses. I spoke to the the athletes at our school a while back, and I was like, how many of you use your circumstances as your excuse? Everybody raises their hand, because we do. Oh, I couldn't get there. My mom wouldn't get up. Oh, I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Man, you don't want to be that. We don't want to be a product of our circumstances. We really don't. I just don't feel like that's that's not the answer. Sometimes we have to take ownership mm-hmm. into what we're you know what we're doing. It can't always be somebody else's fault.
0: No, I think that's that's absolutely right. You think uh, you you said some key things along the way. I kind of want to go back and unpack and talk about the. Uh, importance first of all the struggle for acceptance and I walter you can speak to that too you know you have teenagers you're you, yeah. have, you guys are living in that world yourself mm-hmm. but i think we see that so on, it's on the forefront of all that we're doing within our youth culture today and with people in general i mean people are just longing to be accepted i think there are so many things in our culture that people do mm-hmm. for acceptance they What's do the next tiktok challenge right yeah if i can get my 10 seconds of Fame, or my mm-hmm. ten seconds of being, you know, being noticed, or if I can, you know, wear this thing, or or have this style, or this fashion, and I think all that screams is, I want to be loved, oh, I want to yeah. be accepted, and coming back to what you're saying, Tammy, you you were longing for that from your earthly father.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I I look back and I, I know that my mother like loved me. I, there's no doubt in that. But both of my parents were pretty consumed with other things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't have likes and followers. and (laughs) I didn't have. I mean, and the children today, I mean, they're just bombarded with filters and all these things that are just untruths. I mean, non-truths.
0: I mean, and it's like, well, this is what I want people to think about me. This This is what I want to portray of my life when actuality, like you're talking about, you don't know. What it looks like is not really what it is, and there's this there's this mindset of if I really show who I am, then that's that's a that's weakness, or I, there's not going to be the acceptance. But it's it's so countercultural to the Bible and even what Jesus says when He says, "Just come to me, come to me in in your your brokenness and your weariness and your state of." Of, of longing for more and longing for acceptance, just come to me like you are. And that's such a big thing.
1: It, it's huge. And, I, you know, I think people, there's always this um, mindset, I've got yep. to yep. get myself fixed before I can come back to the church. I got to get myself fixed before I can come back. And I'm so thankful that that is not true. This is a place mm-hmm. for for the sick. And we need, we need fellow believers around us to lift us up and help us. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I know kids, it's so hard because they're, they're, they're two different people. They're their social media image, which I wasn't dealing with, but I had to put up this great front of being this strong person. And my uh, facade was, I was tough. I mean, I'm tough. I'm not tough physically, but I was tough mentally. I, you know, I had my game face on and, oh, this doesn't bother me. All the while I'm just running, looking for something, uh, making some terrible mistakes, just, you know, um, and I hate that. And I don't want kids to go through that. Mm -hmm. You know, and today I'll tell you the other thing I see so many times people go, Oh, it's not my place. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, that's none of my bit. Now they're my kids, but they're grown. They can make. For the love, please <laughs> say something. Yeah,
0: we've got to have people in our lives who will speak the hard truths.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you need the truth. Yeah, you need the truth in love, well,
0: so, and the truth will set you free. So if you're going to be the agent of truth in love, you can help people be free from bondage and mm-hmm. from sin and from addiction and from struggle and. You can't just sit there and say, well, somebody else will do it.
1: There's so much of my story um, that I've been ashamed of. It's very, very hard. I came back uh, to this church. I got involved in the children's ministry. And boy, you know, it's just that, what do they refer to? If your life is a book, everybody has a chapter that they don't want to reread. So I've got some, I just want to glue the pages together Mm -hmm. and just, just move that over. And I did that for a while and then I had the opportunity to lead a ladies' Bible study. And I was like, I can do this. And I, I boy, my, my grandparents, I was on the phone with them all the time. And, and my grandpa just spoke wisdom into me. And my grandmother prayed for me. And it was this beautiful thing. And, and, and we showed up over there and we did a Bible study on Mary and Martha. And every week, something would come up and it would just be God going, share your story." Share your story.
0: And I'll never
1: forget standing in front of those women that I had idolized. They had been my Mm -hmm. teachers Katie May, Patricia, different women that I had looked up to my whole life and having to stand there and be transparent. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you what people don't need they don't need the fake you. That's right. People need somebody that has walked through the trenches and with God's help came out on the other side. Right. And I think that's so important because we like to put up this amazing front, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got it all together. No, man, like I don't have it all together. Right? God's got me by the hand and he is dragging me sometimes behind him, but I've got it and right. I'm going to make it. And so that was a real big thing for me. And it just seemed like, being transparent is so much more helpful. Mm. People can come to you. It's hard to go to that person that's got their life together and be like, I'm screwed up. Hey, I need some help. Right. You know, that's really hard. Uh, so I, I do think that was a big step for me here personally.
0: Yeah, no, and I think that's um, just, man, just thinking about that in the context of community and the church and other believers we have to have that you know i always go back to kind of this picture in my mind this national geographic like watching this documentary of like the antelope in the pack in the you know running with all the other antelope and there's the lion in the in the bushes waiting to to attack you know but that one antelope falls behind gets behind and the and that's the opportunity for the enemy to then overcome and to take mm-hmm. that you know to to then claim it's it's a uh, it's pray there uh, and and in that moment i just think of that vivid picture in the lives of us as believers in the church and in the moment that we feel like i don't need other people is a moment for the enemy to just wreak havoc on our life you know we, yeah. we have to have each other we need community we we can't do life alone that is a core value that i think we have to continue to drive home as we need each other pe- we need each other we need other people in our lives to help us to pick us up when we're down to encourage us to to build us up to strengthen us you know to come alongside of us and call out certain things that need to be called out when that moment is there and so um it's just a, a such a great example of of the community around you though Uh, encouraging you, being there for you, but also then you getting to open up and to share and inspire others through your weakness and your struggle.
1: You know, I just encourage people, man. When I was on that struggle bus and I was, you know, just struggling and I made that decision and I remember laying on my bed, I can tell you how our bedroom was arranged, Hmm. face down in my pillow and going, God help me. I cannot do this by myself. And that was, you know, I don't even remember what day of the week it was. It was uh, December the 26th or 27th, December 27th of 2012. And I've said, you know, I've got, I need your help. That next Sunday, my children were going to youth on Wednesday nights at First Baptist Normandy. And that next Sunday, I got up and walked into church. And it felt like I went home. And it was so, um, it was such a relief to be back in what I knew I needed to be in. But there's so many people that are struggling that put themselves on an island because they're ashamed of where they are. You're never too far hmm. to come back home. That's right. Uh, you're never too far. It's that first step. And You know, that was just a turning point for me. And my family and my family, uh from that point,
0: yeah, I mean that, and just thinking about from that moment in two thousand twelve the decision that you made the
1: that's the wrong year two thousand seven
0: two thousand seven <laughs> <Yes>. okay <laughs> okay, well, in two thousand seven, when you made that decision, and how that has now ultimately changed the trajectory of your family, you know your your kids, your grandkids uh I mean. You never know when you're in the middle of that moment. Like and and maybe you're listening right now and you're finding yourself in that struggle, in that moment, saying, I don't even know what to do or where to go. You're not thinking about fifteen years down the road. No. But you're thinking about right now, in this moment, if I just kind of if I if I will make this decision and and maybe make the change, it's even hard in the moment. Who knows what God's gonna do with this in the future, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: I mean, there's there's kids in your youth group that were born in 2007, right now.
1: So. Yeah, it's crazy. I look at that, and you know, my children had been raised. I had I'd taken them to church when they were little, and then we, you know, we spent time out of church. And I look back; that was, you know, the year after the tornado it was in 2007. I start going to church. The other thing that we can't do is give up. We can't give up. I started praying for my husband. That looked like 10 years. Mm. Boy, God's timing, not our timing. That's right. And look where we are today. Exactly. You know, um, when my son got married, I, I, I said to him, you have the ability to change history. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the same. How proud am I to be sitting on a pew with my husband, with our children and grandchildren in the church? hmm God can, yep. God can, yep. we just have to make that first step, you know, and I, and I feel like another area that we all get caught up in, many people are counting on people. People will let you down. Yep. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to fail you. You, you got to get your hope in God. That's right. Because that, that's the one true spot.
0: That's right.
1: That's the one spot.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I just thinking about that and, and even the mindset of, you know, maybe thinking about people who are listening right now and, and maybe they're wrestling with their lives or something in their their mind going, I don't, I just don't know. But I don't think the church is where I need to be. You know, one of the things that we are actively trying to do is create a culture of welcome culture of belonging mm-hmm. here in this church. And let me just say, if you're listening and that's you, you're finding yourself in that moment, you are, are welcome here. You come as you are. That's right. You don't have to fix things. You you know, you, you walked in 2007, that church service, your life was still out of control in I some degree. I mean, three
1: degrees. or four days yeah. off of using, probably. I
0: mean, but it was your starting point. Right. And I love what you said, because you said, as you walked in, it felt like home. Hmm. And that's what that's what the church and the body of Christ ought to be. Yeah. Not a place where we point the finger and we say, get out and get right first. No, that is that is the exact opposite of how Jesus lived and modeled his life. Mm-hmm. He was hanging out with those who were sinners, right. who needed yeah. help, who were who were the lowly and the outcast and the downtrodden. And he wasn't, and he even said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. And so that that's the mindset. And that's and that's gotta be the attitude of the church. And so I just wanted you to know if you're in the area and you're looking like this is a place where you come just as you are and we're going to accept you with your arms, our arms wide open and welcome you in uh, because the truth is, is none of us are perfect. We've all got our struggles. We all have our battles. We all have our, our weaknesses, but God,
1: Yeah. but But God, God. you know, and and people today, uh, you know, I know at the school, I see it all the time. Just people wanting to be a victim of their circumstance, man. Take ownership. Take ownership of your life and change your family. Change your family for you. Change your family for your children. Mm-hmm. Change your direction. Yep. I mean, with God, that that can happen. I, I'm I'm evidence living of that. Yep. I'm living proof of that. You know, just just don't become a victim of your circumstances, man. Just I just challenge you. To just change that.
0: Absolutely. And now you are ministering to youth and you're doing, I mean, it's come full circle. Mm-hmm. Like you were that teenager looking for acceptance, looking for hope, looking for, you know, all those things that you were looking for in your, in your family and your, this, this ideal world of what others had and you didn't. But now you are the one who are you and part are, are pouring into these youth. You're pouring into these kids. I mean, week after week, we're seeing evidence of the uh, the investments that mm-hmm. you're making, the Kingdom investment. And uh, I just con- encourage you to continue to run with that and let that be your guiding light as you would just inspire others and you help them in their their path. You know.
1: You know, I'm just praying every day that God can empower pardon I to to do well with this part comes from a broken home. Uh, and he comes from, you know, his, his father uh, committed suicide. So we've walked through a lot of different things mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I wished I could say, I don't think we can help the youth today, but unfortunately the youth in America today are battling stuff that I never dreamed of battling. Mm-hmm and they're walking through there are more walking through problems and broken homes and not fitting in than there are coming from That's two right. parents in a functional home and I wish I wish it was different yeah. and I hope that one day it is different but I want those children to know that those things don't define them That's that right. God loves them that they are who God said they are or who he says they are and right. not maybe what they're hearing at home or what they're feeling. Yeah. I just want them to know that there is a place that, you know, they're, we're people that are broken and, and we've been through it. And I want people to understand that. And I want them to feel like they can come to us and that we can help them walk through some of those times.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I've had the privilege of observing you with the, the both the children and, and the teenagers and, Um, I just, I'm always just in awe of how they listen and, and follow directions and, and get quiet when they're supposed to, um, you know, for, for people who are kind of novices like myself of, of leading children and and youth, what's, what's a good, some good pointers of how to, you know, gain that respect and, and, uh, get them kind of under control.
1: (laughs) You know, I saw something, a guy named Shane Pruitt said the other day that, um, I feel like our children today, they have entertainment mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when they come up here, they don't need an hour of entertainment. Right. They need the word yeah. because they're searching for something. And I think that's so true. The other thing that I feel like I have done that has helped this helped, is just my transparency. Yeah, absolutely. My, my transparency uh, with them. Has been helpful. And I've done that with, um, you know, in the children's ministry. I'm not going to go into kids' names, but I've joined a, a young person in prayer yeah. about a situation in their family. And there's nothing better mm. than that kid walking into me one Wednesday night and he went, God answered that prayer, Miss Tammy. Oh, wow. And I'm yeah. like, that's right. When those kids come to me and ask me to pray for them, I have a prayer list on my phone. You can use that phone for good. That's right. Get your notes out. And when they see their name on a prayer list, all of a sudden they know they matter.
0: Yep, that's exactly it. And
1: so I just think present, being real, the transparency. And man, I just want them to overcome. I just want them to be overcomers. That's what I want them to do. We, we've got a, enough of the other.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. No, and I just think that was a great question. And thinking about what you said about Shane, the entertainment value. Like even when I was doing youth ministry back when I started in 07, as a matter of fact, um, that the, the, the social media world was not present. You know, it was very different. Church was a source of entertainment. I remember in my, my early youth ministry years of we've got to entertain these kids. They mm-hmm. don't need that now. Right. They go. Yeah. They need entertainment. They log on. They can get on TikTok. They can get on you know any social media platform. They can get on you on YouTube, on mm, Netflix. Yeah. They need truth. Yeah. They need gospel. They need love. I- I'll go back to that. You know, one of the things you're one of your first weeks stepping into the youth world here at the church, uh, the youth, the teenagers. You ended the night by giving all the kids a hug, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting in the back. Watching that as I'm weeping, thinking, when's the last time that kid's been hugged? Wow. When's the last time a parent has affirmed their child with a loving hug? And and there's no telling. Yet here you are in this moment loving them, hugging them, and welcoming them in. And I just, like I said, I was in the back. I was weeping because I love the imagery of I'm here for you. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm here for you, and I see you, and I care for you, and I think that's that's the greatest thing we can do as a church. We don't have to have all the answers all the time, mm-hmm. but we can sure enough love, and we can love like Christ. And when we do that, uh, people will know that we are His followers, and they will know the love of Christ through our love. And so that's a great a great uh, reminder there. I just remember seeing that, and I wanted to point that out to you.
1: You know, I've been I've been really proud of them. You know, we got off the first night I went over there. I was fully prepared to leave crying and I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were great. And, and and I feel like since then they have just grown. Have we had, you know, I would say the first two weeks were a little rough. And then they were like, oh, she's staying. Yeah. <laughs> she's staying. She's not going to quit. But, you know, it's it's amazing to see, you know, I can look at them and go, hey, let's just go put all our phones on the you know the foosball table or whatever mm-hmm. the air hockey table and they just like go put them over there okay man. um you know put them in the center of the table i they're hungry yeah. yeah they're hungry for something they need a word from god they need love uh they need people to pour into them honestly and truthfully you know
0: it's exciting man i really do I say this, I, this was one of the first messages I, well, the first message I preached here when I was officially the pastor, but I truly believe the best is yet to come. And I mm-hmm. think that in all of our ministries, uh, specifically just thinking as we're talking about youth ministry, looking at the potential with the school being like two blocks away, uh, all these kids coming, seeing a, a, a leader who cares, who plugs in, who, who shows them the attention they need, um, most importantly, the gospel truth, and I really believe the best is yet to come for this yes. youth ministry. Excited to see what the future holds and how God's going to continue to use you to, re- to help be a part of their story and writing their story so that one day when they're looking back with their families, they can say it was Tammy Patterson mm-hmm. who was instrumental in my life. She was the one who loved me like nobody else or showed me the gospel truth I needed to hear or called this out or held mm-hmm. me accountable or prayed for me. Yeah, you know,
1: that's uh, the greatest honor to be able to help one of them come out of the pit that they find Mm -hmm. themselves in. That's like the greatest honor because we don't have to stay there. God's on our side.
0: That's right. Mm. It's good stuff.
2: Oh, I had uh, just a Norzolch history question. Um, I can't remember the time that he was here, but do you remember uh, Reverend Paul Eaton?
1: Oh, yeah, that's my childhood.
2: Okay. That that's
1: my childhood. That <laughs> that is my childhood here in this church. Yes, yes, brother Paul, brother yes. Paul. Yes,
2: he happens to be my wife's grandfather. That's why I was curious. But
1: yes, I you know, and your wife's uh, your wife's mother. I remember her. I remember the Eatons. They were instrumental in our church when I was a child. Mm-hmm. At that time, my grandparents, who were my father's parents, that I speak so highly of. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor. My my grandmother, a wonderful. Wonderful lady in the Lord. They lived right across the street uh, uh, when I was little.
2: Cool. Well, we thank you, listeners out there. Um, we were checking on our last episode. We had over 150 people listen to that uh, with uh, Miss Sandy. So we appreciate that, and um, you know, we want to get the word out to more people to keep listening. And uh, depending on how they want to access it, we got a lot of different places. You know, uh, depending on where you are listening to it from of course but there's also apple podcasts where you search up small town faith talks and then we've got uh of course the church website fbcnz.org uh, you probably have also seen it on our facebook page and um you can on most of those spots you can leave comments and, and things but um if you'd like to send us an email we would love to hear from you if, if you want to just encourage us or or give suggestions on future guests or topics or uh, if you if you just have general questions that you'd like us to answer fbcnzpodcast at gmail.com is our email address and uh,
0: just uh, again we we just want to thank y'all for listening thank you tammy again it's just been a a true joy and pleasure to sit down and hear some of your story and uh, if you're looking for a church home and you are in the area we'd love to have you join us at first baptist north zolch this weekend for services as we continue to meet together and believe the best is yet to come here in North Zulch and the surrounding areas. And so until next time, we'll see you later. Y'all take care and God bless.